Welcome to the Urban Wine Club podcast. Pour a glass, sit back, and enjoy the show. Hello, everyone. Thank you so much for joining us for another episode of the Urban Wine Club podcast. Today, we have a very special episode with, with uh, two lovely ladies who are doing something so cool. And before uh, you know, we kind of get into that, um, I just want to turn it over to my co-host, Foti Stamos. Hello, Foti. Yeah, so Ari, thank you so much for uh, the great introduction. As always, all of our podcast episodes have fun and interesting guests. And especially when they're in our, well, quote unquote, our backyard, um, this happens to be a little further than our backyard, but the local feel is still there. Um, we've been discussing in the last episodes, you know, wine, spirits, liqueurs, all this great stuff that we all enjoy. And lately we've been discussing trends and I came across a product that I was really taken away and, uh, and it was a matter of us getting it to our platform. So with, without further ado, I wanted to invite our guests uh, who are representing Rhodium Distillery in Rhode Island mm-hmm. with us. Karen, Kathy from Rhodium, thank you so much for joining us. It's an honor and a pleasure to have you with us, and we're so excited about your products. Thank you. Thank you so much. It's exciting to have people excited about our products, actually. <laughs> so um, it's a nice little yeah. Thank you. Well, you, you say that you say that in a humble way, but you guys are doing some really cool things in a in a very cool manner. Um, Forty, you were you were uh, explaining to me, but can you kind of take us through and? Yes. Yeah, so real quickly, um, I you know we get visited by plenty of um, suppliers and vendors who bring us great products, and lately we've been tasting a lot of gin mm. from a lot of different suppliers. There's a lot of great products out there. The specific gin that we tried at one of our tastings, um, I wasn't really paying attention because there's a lot going on in my head during these tastings. And as I was tasting um, this gin, um, something struck me and I had to pause for a second. Mm. And there was something about these aromas and flavors that I asked again, uh, the, the individual that was presenting the lineup. And uh, I said, like, where is this gin from? And they're like, Rhode Island. I'm like, Rhode Island? And, and like, yes. And then I took, look at further and they discussed the whole story and I was fascinated. And I said, we need to have this product with us. And then uh, I got in touch with Kathy, who uh, introduced herself when after they found out that we started carrying their product. And then we take it from there. But I don't want to explain all the details. We want to turn it over to Kathy and Kara to tell us a little bit about um, how this all started and uh, the journey that it took you to get here today. Well, it's gorgeous gin that they fell in love with. Oh, so that's, wow. Well, there you go. So you, you, like the center product there. Your first taste was kind of what exemplifies what we wanted to do with the company. So we started Rhode Island Spirits to make Rhodium brand spirits two and a half years ago. And we really started out to be a gin distillery. We love gin. We love um, sort of the modern approach to using new flavors or locally sourced things or foraged ingredients and unusual botanicals. And we knew that we could really find some scope to play around with that kind of stuff in Rhode Island. And so the whole line of gins and vodkas and liqueurs started with 
We should make gin. <laughs> <laughs> yep, gin's the problem. Now, let me ask you this. Before you got into this, was there any formal training of distilling? Well, no. So something um, you fell upon. <laughs> so uh, I've always been a uh, forager. I've always felt sorry for that, you know, fruit tree that was just dumping fruit on the ground to rot or interesting botanicals that could make a tincture that would be lovely in a, uh, a drink. And Kara has homebrewed, but that was it. Um, okay. And studied, though, with some friends. We did yeah. some interning and learned what we needed to know and jumped in. So we did, we did apprenticeships with a couple of distillers who made products that we really thought were exceptional. Yeah. And, you know, we wanted to learn how they did what they were doing. And then we also did a lot of reading. We did a lot of chatting with other distilleries. And a lot of gin sampling. A lot of gin sampling. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> It's the hardest part of the job. Formal training. <laughs> but, you know, uh, it, to me, it sounds like uh, so much passion behind it, which for me goes the furthest. The passion, without that passion, uh, you know, you, you really don't have a great product. You don't really put that care and, and love into your product. And it sounds like that's what you guys were doing. And that's really cool. Really cool to hear. Cool. Thanks. Thanks. Well, and Kathy gets up. I mean, this is prime time of the year for probably the next six weeks. Yeah. Anytime I don't know where Kathy is, I'm going to check and see if the vehicle is out front because she will just disappear and go foraging. Um, you got to get it when it's ready. Yeah. <laughs> I walked in the other day and there were just pounds and pounds of rose petals just set out to dry and it was such a wonderful aroma to walk into it was a bit oppressive it was it was, kind of, it was wonderful for the first couple of minutes and then I had to open the windows but uh, you know our our ability to find local flavors and botanicals that make really distinctive products helps us make something that is really truly of the place that we are and i think that's part of what makes us so excited about using it is that we can make something distinctive mm -hmm. by going out and doing and gathering things that we really love yeah and there are things that we can then also source from farmers uh and there are things that we can ask farmers to uh, grow for us so mm -hmm. lovage is going to come from a samaquin farm and i just spoke to um Bill, the farmer um, from Southeast Massachusetts, who's growing angelica roots, and we will be able to use those. Okay. So um, we like being able to not keep it local because that sounds trendy, but because we like keeping ourselves, our work, our our money, um, our efforts local as well. And so, you know, when we can hire out some of this and you know get lavender from that farm and get apples from that farm, it just feels like it, we're a part of the local economy and i think that's kind of important right now absolutely, absolutely. very important absolutely we we're we're coming across more and more folks that are actually um it's all about that it's all about the um the interchange between the the growers the farmers uh the viticulturists to the facility where they're actually producing and then whatever might be left over then it's re, you know re either cycled or it's passed off to somewhere else where it can be used for something else. The coffee beans go out to a farm and they go under their uh, blueberry bushes when we're done with those for the coffee, black walnut vodka. Oh. And uh, the citrus that's spent from either the limoncello or the grapefruit cello goes and feeds the pigs. So oh my God. there you go. You know, we, we aren't 100% green because that's not well, really possible. We're not even doing it just for green reasons. It's just the easiest way to get rid of it. Well, <laughs> that, that, 
you guys laugh, right? But I mean, it, it truly is. It, it, it is the best way to do things, in my opinion. I think we're coming in a full circle here where things used to be green and used to be local because there was no other choice, you know, kind of those pre-industrial days. And then we kind of got to a point over the years where we were going far out and doing all these things. And now, now by choice, it's coming back. But the less it becomes trendy and the more it becomes the norm, I think that's going to be a great time for this to be standard, this to be the way it's done. And you guys are kind of right there at the forefront, which is an amazing thing and, and appreciated for as, as a consumer, I appreciate those efforts. Well, I think, you know, for us as a small company, when we were starting out, we knew we would be using a lot of water and we needed it to be good, clean, consistent water. And we could have called one of the big national companies and had them truck it in from Maine or Pennsylvania or whatever. But we also, for probably a lot less money, at least, you know, after the first year or so, we could put in a small reverse osmosis system and just clean up the municipal water, give it a polish and a, a purification. And that's what we've been doing for years. And it's, it's, a, it's a short supply chain, you know, from the tap through the reverse osmosis system and into our stuff. And we actually had, um, it's on the top of my mind because the RO system went on the fritz this week, but there's a brewery the other side of town that takes the same approach. They have a big carbon filtration system because they have to use a lot of, you know, water in their beer and they don't want to truck it in either. So I literally took a 200 gallon tote over to the brewery. They filled it up with their water and I drove it back across town. That's how far we ship water. Like, wow. Wow. <laughs> but that's also indicative, I think, of the industry um, that we've had really great support and in turn, um, really supportive and excited to promote other people's local products yeah. so we've been to distilleries and wineries and breweries and it's been a great cross-pollination and um you know we're kind of in this together yes and- yeah that's great that's awesome we love to hear that and uh we're definitely supporting you as well because we always want to support the people that we believe in because they're doing great things not for just you know the industry but for the environment right um we wanted to mention actually uh we are new england's only uh, lgbtq identified spirits brand awesome wow. this is pride month right now and it's really amazing how wonderful that has um served the community actually um there's a guy who told me about a program that we should apply for and he was kind of aggressive about it and like well yeah and before i could ask he said so you want to know why I'm so aggressive about sharing this with you? He said, my son is gay and you guys are doing something that's really great. It's successful. And I want him to see that. And so Excellent. if anything I can do to help him see that this is um, a way of the world, then I'm going to do that. And I thought that was a very interesting approach. Yeah. Well, and there actually, we have a lot of customers who feel like us being out is an important part of the brand. We make a great product. Mm-hmm. And we don't just slap a rainbow on it to, you know, make money in Pride Month. This is what we do. We're married and we work together and, you know, we contribute to gay causes. We support um, allied politicians and do fundraising and stuff. But really, at the end of the day, it's just us. And, you know, we have customers who buy our bottles to give to their gay children, their cousins, their aunts, their uncles. Yeah. I mean, they like having a product that is fantastic in and of itself 
but also, you know, strongly identifies with that. Community. Yeah. I, and, and, you know, um, you know, this is a conversation that we could take in so many ways, but coming out of the last few years, uh, I really love that I'm hearing this and I hope brighter, better days ahead for, for all, because um, I was a little naive years ago. I thought everybody was kind of like on the level and everything was great and everybody was happy. And I really didn't realize that there's a, a large piece of, of us that just aren't. And I was just, the last four years made me realize, my God, I, I've been like living with blinders on and I hope those days are behind us. And I hope, you know, more people uh, such as yourselves are doing great things and we can identify, they can identify with who they are as people, the great products that they put together. They're, they're doing it in a, uh, you know, that trendy, but awesome, like sustainable local way. And it's just, it sounds perfect to me. I wanted uh, to speak a little to the product that's currently on your website too. And that's the foragers gin. Um, it took us a while to come up with the name, which it was right there in front of us. But <laughs> it, it's like Matthew's gin is just silly, so we don't do that. Um, but about a third of the ingredients, and it's our largest botanical bill, um, are all uh, locally foraged uh, ingredients. And there's one that if we get really, really busy, I can't find anywhere else. I have to make sure I get it in the freezer at the proper time of year. Uh, um, but it's it's in that new world of uh, botanical forward gins there's an interesting aroma there's a number of flowers on the top but you're going to find a different spice in the middle there um some clove and some fennel um we use some sumac not the poisonous one we know what <laughs> it. um and entertainingly uh we have been using only fever tree products in our distillery uh, tasting Tons. room right on uh for our um for our drinks, and specifically, we use uh, the elderflower tonic by Fever Tree and their uh, Indian bitter, their traditional one. And people want the recipe for our gin and tonic. <laughs> gin <laughs> and take, tonic. Take for your gin, take tonic, <laughs> mix. Um, if you're feeling fancy, but slice an orange in there and call it a day. But oh, man. the number of times people ask for that recipe, it's kind of funny. Um, but yay. <laughs> but I think well, at the end of the day, we we make things that are full of flavor and that really stand up to you know anything we're very picky about our gin we're very picky about our vodka we make stuff that we wouldn't make it if we didn't feel we were improving on what was already out there mm -hmm. yeah. and so you know even our vodka it's distilled six times in charcoal filtered but the seventh distillation we do uh with some local apples in the still we don't want an apple flavored vodka but having apples in that last distillation is like, we're in initially what's going on right now okay uh, <laughs> but it having the apples in the still gives the vodka a super super smooth finish uh and a really bright taste and it doesn't it doesn't taste particularly fruity, but it's just a lovely, crisp, viscosity, really fresh vodka flavor. And what is what is the base of the vodka? Everything we do is on a corn spirit, so naturally okay. gluten-free because corn never had gluten to begin with. Good point. Um, and should we answer that again? Sure, no problem. <laughs> um, is is our production coordinator's cleaning for tomorrow's vodka run actually? <laughs> so. Stuff's moving around. Um, so what are our spirits? Have, 
on corn. Uh, we're working with a base product that we get that is six times distilled, charcoal filtered, non-GMO, organic, gluten-free, all of that. And um, we go from there. Awesome. And it was most expedient and efficient and cost-effective for us to start with a base spirit. Um, gin is, if you look at what how gin is made, you're, it's working with something that is clean and pure and stripped down so that the botanicals can then shine and take over from there. So um, we were in our 50s. We didn't really, we didn't want to do a lot of fermentation. I want to forage with my time. So we're, we're working with a product that's excellent and really affordable. And then we go from there. Well, and we just need a really, a premium, perfectly consistent yeah, base yeah. that we can then build flavors on top of. So it gives us a great start. And it means that we can sell a product that's as flavorful and as great as we can make it and still have it be affordable. Yeah. So that's one great. of the things that we looked at is if we actually started buying corn locally and then went all the way through the process, we would have to cut corners and we'd still be two or three times the price we are now at the end of the process. Oh, so, wow. you know, we really like having the ability to do something that is premium, has all the sort of gluten-free and organic properties that people really like to have. But it's also something that if you like it, you can have it at your home bar regularly because it's not at a super premium price. You know? Excellent. So we were introduced to you through your your lovely gin. Now we're learning that you also make vodka, but I think that you also make liqueurs too. Is that correct? We do. We do. We have a limoncello and a grapefruit cello. The limoncello we started making because the people we trained with said, you have to make limoncello. We said, okay. Let's <laughs> um, I tried it, didn't like it. Um, and so what we went for is a limoncello that met the objections. It's not too sweet. It's not partially alcoholic. It's nicely balanced. And it's not chemical. It's using only the four ingredients, zest, alcohol, sugar, and water. And it's a little lighter so that it doesn't tip um, a cocktail out of balance. So bartenders like it because neither the alcohol or the, the sugar content is too high. Um, it's just a lovely, bright, fresh flavor. The grapefruit was an accident because we use, um, I'm always messing about, we use pink grapefruit in one of our cocktails with the Forager's Gin, actually, the Rosemary Greyhound, which you'll find on our website. Mm. And um, with all this grapefruit juice that we were getting fresh, there were the zests, but, you know, the skins. But like, hmm, I wonder what'll happen if. And so we tried it, and people loved it. So now it's, it's, it's a better product than our. The limoncello is fine, but the grapefruit cello yeah. is stellar. I, can see awesome. I don't think I've ever had grapefruit or yeah. grapefruit jello. No. There, there are companies that make it, but we'll we'll get you a bottle. Is it, one of these is it a, is it a, may I ask? Is it available for us in Massachusetts? Yeah. Yes. Yes. We okay. Do. Perfect. Okay, that's good to know. <laughs> Things that are not available in Massachusetts um, <laughs> later, some the other day. Oh, we also do, you know, I think the, the liqueurs and the flavored vodkas are, again, a real demonstration of, of the way we want to make products. They're full of real things that give them great flavor. Um, we keep the sugar down as low as possible. We do a, a coffee. And walnut flavored vodka, we work with a coffee company here in town. They source really great beans that decaffeinate for us. So it's a decaf coffee and they vodka. they do it with the water process so it's not chemically done. And then yeah. Kathy goes and forages black walnuts, literally from trees. I can see some of them from here. Um, 
And so it's like these great local ingredients that we can put together and make a flavored vodka that doesn't taste like anybody else's flavored vodka. It's rich, it's complex, it's yeah. not overly sweet. Yeah. Um, you know, we, we like to be able to put as much flavor into things as we can. And at a certain point, sugar starts obscuring other flavors. Sure. So we want it to have a bit of a bright sweetness, but really let everything else shine. Excellent. Anything else that you can share with us that's in the pipeline for your distillery? Well, um, any, any so breaking we, news you want to share? Airs, I think we can. Um, would this air before July? I mean, yeah, it will, unless, you know, there's a. We could wait. That way I can frame the answer properly. Um, so at the time of this recording, I'm not able to tell you about a new product that's coming out. Um, okay. It is a bespoke gin, which is just so exciting to me. It was really oh. fun to sit down with this company and look for, pull out of them what they wanted to do with it, the why of it, and then go to the back and start concocting and pulling botanicals and too much of that, not enough of this, and then offering them um, a really lovely bespoke gin that will be available in the distillery and in Rhode Island at their uh, restaurant group, um, but nowhere else. So that's kind of cool. Well, at their Massachusetts properties. Well. And hopefully in Mass, they're going to yeah. start in Rhode Island. So they asked us for a gin that would be especially good in Negronis. Yeah. So keep your eye open if you see a, a rhodium bottle with a big dot on it that mm -hmm. has a restaurant's name. Mm -hmm. That'll be our new gin. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Okay. Uh, can you cool. We're going to share this regardless, but can you just tell our listeners and our viewers um, uh, your website, any social media, anything you want to share that people could follow and contact you? So um, the website is rispirits.com and our social media is all under rispirits as well. That's the company name, uh, but what you'll see on the shelf is the brand name of Rhodium. Um, but we set up the social media before we actually have built out the brand. So everything is still our eye spirits. <laughs> nice. Um, do you also, by any chance, can people visit the distillery? Do you do any open yeah, houses or? We're filming from uh, just in front of the bar in the tasting room. And what you can't see right over there, if you get to the window and look immediately down is the river. We're on the Blackstone uh, river and. Wow. In a basement of a mill that used to do um, some textile stuff. And if you look at our branding, our labels are very interestingly textured for uh, a particular fabric or textile, which is kind of fun. A nod to Slater Mill, which is one bridge over there. Yeah. And, um, so we've actually got a big airy space with skylights and lots of room, yeah. and we are open to the public. Fridays, Saturdays, and Sundays. Um, we do sample flights of all of our products, plus um, a cocktail list that's custom. We made them all up or adjusted them to really highlight our spirits. Um, and, you know, people really love it here and we love meeting people and talking to them and introducing our products. So it's a, it's a really nice comfy space and hopefully we'll see you down here sometime soon. Absolutely. Now that things are opening up and we can definitely get out there and enjoy ourselves like we once used to we kind of forgot what that was like but <laughs> but uh, in any event thank you so much um ari let our folks know that um they can constantly find uh the forage gin on our website on urbanwineclub.co we ship all around the country um i'm sure that if you know you want to take a nice ride down 
to the distiller. You can buy it there as well, obviously, right? Um, Any last minute thoughts before we sign off? No, uh, what makes me happy about this conversation is that um, it's it's the circle kind of rises together here. Local companies working with local companies and just highlighting what people do well. And we are asked all the time, do you ship? We cannot due to our license, but you know we'll be sending them your way. We would love that. That's what we're here for, uh, to complete the circle. It, it was so nice, so nice listening to you guys, listening to, to what you do, and very, very impressive, and your products are amazing. Everybody out there, you got to check it out. Uh, get online, get down to the to the distillery, go wherever you could find the Rhodium product and, and try it. it. You won't be disappointed. Again, we want to thank both of you so much for your time. We know you're busy and thank you for being with us. Thank you, Foti, as always. Thanks everybody out there for watching, listening. You can find all the information in the notes, in the video and the podcast. And thanks once again, and we'll see you guys next time. Thank you, everybody. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Bye.